Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a chilly episode <laughs> for you guys today. And I'm not just saying that because we're up here in Minnesota where it's below zero all the time, but I'm excited to bring back Renee Brinkerhoff. You may remember her from our episode where we talked about her racing her 356 around the world and all of these crazy endurance races. Right. And, and we, when we talked to her, she was getting set to go down to Antarctica, which would make her goal of racing every single continent in the world a reality. Yeah. She, we, she was what? Two weeks out, three weeks out last yeah, time. We, we caught her basically her. right before she was right leaving. Before she left. We wanted to hook back up with her and talk to her about her adventure. That's right. And it is a crazy adventure. We talk about how, you know, Chris and I, I don't think we could do it. You, I don't you, think I could do it. Even with all the support and having everything else there, it's just such a challenge to just survive. It, it's and it's do monumental these for sure. There. It's monumental and and inspiring. Uh, before we get to Renee, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications to be sent right there to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of kind of the latest and greatest gear in the industry. And there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. Renee Brinkerhoff, it's so nice to have you back on the podcast to tell us about your adventures. Well, you guys, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I've, I've been watching what you're doing, what you're up to, and I'm just, I just, I cannot wait to hear the story of <laughs> just this, just wild trip that you took. You know, it just seems so surreal what you did. It just doesn't seem like anything anybody would conceive to do. So even conceiving <laughs> this to do it seems crazy. So I'm really excited to hear your, your story of your journey. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you guys. I do want to say, though, that last week it was colder here in Minnesota than it was in Alaska, but we didn't have any Antarctica. wind. Antarctica. I'm sorry, Antarctica, but we didn't have any wind. Right, was, so the wind chill didn't quite get the there. The wind chill didn't quite get there, but we did have, like, <laughs> negative 17. So I just want you to know that I can relate a little bit with the cold, although I was I, able to turn the heater on in, <laughs> in my car. In your car, yeah. <laughs> That is the difference, right? Heat, heat does help. In heat the helps, cold. and driving on pavement is also a big bonus. Yeah, it's, it it makes it easier. Definitely makes it easier. It so, depends on what kind of car, actually. But yeah, yeah. if you have wheels or not, I suppose is a big <laughs> is a big, yeah. is a big benefit. So tell exactly. us a little bit about your journey and getting there, and just just walk us through the story. Well, um, you know, conceived with this idea for over four years ago, and sometimes you set these goals and you do, and you have it. It sounds great, and it's yes, I'm going to go do this. But there's no way you can anticipate and know what really that means. So uh, always unforeseen challenges present themselves, and they did in this journey as well. Well, it seems um, you basically went to another planet. You know, when you exactly. think of like these places that are super hostile to human beings and machines and and just life and not life in general, that's one of the harshest places on Earth, and it's basically another planet. It is. You're exactly right, and. It is the most extreme weather on the planet. You can have like 190 plus mile per hour winds. You know, you wow. can have, and that's obviously in their winter. And we're there in their summer, so it's daytime all the time. 
but you're, you know, as the closer you get to the pole, the, cl- the colder it gets because you're raising, you're going up in elevation. And we probably had maybe minus 20 when you factor in wind chill and some other things, right? Maybe less. I don't know. It's really hard because we would leave. We don't, we didn't have, you know, a, a thermometer with us every place we went. We went up into the mountains, the mountain ranges and to glaciers and also. I imagine you um, almost didn't want to know. Like, I don't need to see that thermometer. <laughs> I don't need to know. Actually, I don't need to yeah, I love to know. I just like, oh, isn't that cool? Wow, it's that cold. You know, cold is cold. At some point, it doesn't matter. It's just too cold, right? So, right at that point, it just becomes an interest. So, did you arrive there when the car got there, or was it there waiting for you? Or kind of kick us off from the beginning? Okay, so the car left in August, and it took about two months to get to the tip of uh, tip of Chile, Punta Arenas. Way, way, you know, that's a long way away. Um, and uh, it's down there by the Roaring Forties, right? So it was there. The got what? Airlift. Say that again. The, the Roaring Forties. Oh, oh, the Roaring Forties. You know, if you've ever read any uh, um, books about the adventures of of explorers that went around the tip of South America, they hated that journey because of the Roaring Forties. In that, um, in that degree of um, what would that be? That'd be latitude. latitude. In that latitude is in that latitude. <laughs> yeah, and exactly in that latitude, the seas are horrible. They're really? so treacherous. And then the farther south you go, it's worse like the ferocious 50s, the screaming 60s. <laughs> so the farther south you go, the worse the seas get, right? And uh, so the, the car actually went on a Aleutian cargo plane into Antarctica to the base camp, which is in toward in the interior of Antarctica. No animals. People always envision, oh, you're going to see penguins and birds. Nope, there's nothing. Not even a fly. There's Do nothing they, living there. They stick closer to the coast, I assume, any animals? Or is there just exactly. no animals at all down there? Oh, no, along the coast, it's rich with animals. But okay. where we were, that nothing can live. So, so you didn't have to worry about running over penguins on the way? <laughs> nothing. We weren't impacting the environment with animals or anything like that. We were strictly in, a, in an ice and snow environment. It's basically so a wasteland, the, really. It is. And it's just a desert. It's just a freezing desert. Uh, very, very dry. We were there and it was the snowiest they had seen. Um, many people that we'd spoke to who'd been down them for 18 years had never, never, never seen that much snow down there. It was very unusual to snow. So even though you're even looking at snow that's maybe hundreds or thousands of feet deep, that is an accumulation of thousands of years. Yeah, of I was snow. just thinking to myself, it's not like there's a cycle where, oh, it's like you know, 60 degrees, the snow's going to melt. Is the earth continually depositing snow there and it's just continually growing? Obviously, you've got some glaciers that are melting at the shores and stuff like that, but there must just be, if there's thousands of feet of snow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're just slowly, because it's dry, right, you're slowly accumulating more snow. And so when you get these uh, sastrugis, which are when the wind picks up the snow and creates walls and crustiness, it can, which can be like 20 to 30 feet high or just inches high. That's just taking snow that's been there for thousands of years and blowing it into these mountains or walls of, of ice, right? And uh, so, yeah, when you're, it's a di- totally different. It's not like here you get a snowfall, it melts, and you get dry <laughs> land. No, it's not the same, which is really a cool thing to think about. So when we got there, the car had been there for three weeks. I envisioned it being in a nice little cozy tent or at least maybe with a tarp over it absolutely not it was just sitting out there in the bear uh and and waiting for us and it looked so forlorn but we immediately got after it to get it to get it to where it could start and and then get it to where you could drive it 
So what had to be done to get it to start the first time? We had to get it warm. It was just literally cold to the core. And we had brought a tiny little heater that took diesel fuel, just this basic, a very, very small little space heater, and just put it right where the engine bay is, tried to get that thing warm, did that overnight. And so we got there on a Sunday. We did that overnight, and it almost turned over, actually, when I got in the car on Sunday. It really tried. But by Monday morning, it started right up. And by then, we had already put the skis on the front. So it traveled with tires in the front, tracks in the back. And uh, on Sunday, we put those skis on and got the, the support vehicle sorted with all the tools and things that we might need. And so when Monday morning came around, we were ready to go. You mentioned a support vehicle. What type of vehicle do they use down there like as a normal vehicle, right? Yeah, so they have uh, different kinds of vehicles for different purposes, right? So they have like the support vehicle that went with us is a Hilux. Yep, and it was actually specifically prepared by a company out of uh, Iceland that prepares vehicles for the pole. And uh, it runs on tires. It actually had more trouble, much more trouble than our vehicle did um, with, you know, gearbox overheating because they have to lower their tire pressure down to about one PSI. So they're running on basically flats and they're and it was getting stuck. And it was overheating, so we would it would be way behind us when we had to stop and say, "Okay, where's the support vehicle?" You know, um, that had to be kind it, of a point of pride. You know, your old Porsche here is doing better than this. You know, specifically built for the terrain Toyota. Yeah, and you know the manual gearbox is better than these automatic transmissions. Yeah, I suppose. So uh, our setup was really great. We did have problems, but they were things that can be fixed easily, and it's not an inherent problem like a modern vehicle has. So tell us about setting off. You got the thing warmed up. You got the little heater in there. Obviously, you didn't bring it in the cab with you because that's, you know, you can't do that. But tell us about setting off. Okay. So, you know, Monday morning, it's daytime all the time, right? Did you struggle with that at all? You know what? I didn't. It was really pretty cool because you could track the sun. You could just see it moving over your head in a circle throughout the day. And you could figure out what time of day it was based upon where it was referenced to where your tent was. And uh, you just looked at your watch and said, okay, now it's 11, 8 p.m. or 12 p.m. It's, we got to go to bed, you know. But uh, I, it was really pretty cool to have all that daylight. Yeah, a lot of people um, struggle with the circadian rhythm with no darkness. You know, it drives them crazy. Yeah. I think I would love that. it. Yeah. yeah. Chris jokes that, that I'm solar powered over here, uh, you know, because, you know, you, you always get depressed around you know, when it's dark and especially here in the Midwest. But uh, man, having 24 hour sunlight, I feel like I would love it. No. Nope. Yeah, it, it was great. <laughs> and it was great for us because we had a goal, right? And easier for us to drive in daylight than it would have been in the dark. Um, so we just and we knew we had blue sky weather. When we got there, it was blue sky. We knew a storm was coming in because they keep you apprised of the weather. They're very in tune with the weather, right? That's the crucial element for everything down there. And I said, we better grab this open window of good weather and try to achieve as many miles as we can. And so that's what we set out to do. We took off from base camp, went up into the mountain range that was around us where these glaciers were, and um, tried to, you know, just ticking off the miles. What was the terrain like? Varied, totally varied. So um, when there, it's blue ice down there, so underneath all of this snow is literally blue ice. And the ice is the glaciers under, underneath the snow part of the glaciers. And it's created by all this pressure. 
You can imagine this massive continent, which is all of the United States, a third of Canada in mass. And this is constantly moving and it's moving in different directions and at different speeds, just like maybe a seismic rift would be, let's say in California or something. And so it creates, that's how you get these crevasses and all right. But it creates blue ice. It pushes out all the impurities and the oxygen out of the ice. So it becomes literally this amazing blue oh. color. But then what happens when the sun is out, it can, it, depending upon to a temperature, right? It can melt part of the surface. So envision you're on a very choppy sea, like even a, one of the Great Lakes. And all of a sudden it freezes. That's what you're driving on, but it's blue. So it's cupped, it's sharp, it's different undulations. And it causes you and the whole car to vibrate continually. So it's not like driving and across a frozen lake like we're used to, where it's just smooth. Nice and, you, and flat. Yeah, you can, That's kind of what I picture. You can just whip out yeah. some donuts and spin around <laughs> and have a good time. And, you know, everybody's ice fishing and it's great. This sounds brutal. <laughs> it, it was totally, it, it, it's probably, that was the hardest thing on the car, I think, that that surface and you know if you have loose teeth you know that's a little bit of an irritation but um just joking there but <laughs> it, once you, but once you once you leave um the blue ice area to where the snow has has accumulated right then that car was just screaming fast and i had to actually keep from going too fast because we were given um a range of tolerances of speed that we needed to keep it at to try to prevent it from breaking. And that was less than 30 miles per hour. And sometimes it would say, Jason, how fast are we going? Uh, uh, okay, let's see, mid forties, maybe we should slow down, right? Oh, that has to be so frustrating, especially <laughs> oh, for someone that's racing. Absolutely. Because with those skis and that track, those tracks, the car could just fly. It was so incredible. And unlike the tired vehicles, it didn't sink under its weight. You know, that's the whole point. We distributed this wake so evenly that we just flew across the surface. So I imagine that the, uh, did the tracks survive very well? Did they get filled with ice or anything like that? Because you see some of these guys like hacking ice out of their tracks. You know, we thought that could have been a problem, at least in the wheel wells. So we had a little shovel with us, never had a problem. The design and the way the tracks uh, operated all that snow and everything got kicked out away from us. Some of it did get inside the engine bay, and that did pose a problem, but it never caked up. Yeah, I did see a picture of your carburetors. The air filters just <laughs> basically covered in ice. Yeah, that posed a problem. That was definitely a, a deal killer on more than one day, you know, down to one carburetor or two carburetors trying to drive the car, um, first or second gear only, high revs just trying to get somewhere. So, yeah, that was... Uh, something in the future we'll have to address to correct and modify to improve but yeah that was one of the that was probably the biggest weak link other than the bolt that was breaking so yeah okay tell us about some of these mechanical channel challenges because if you followed along on instagram you saw first of all the air cleaners completely froze up and then this bolt it seems like a what one bolt kept breaking yeah on either side it was one key bolt that would attach the suspension and the hub, you know, that, that part of the, the car together, join those two together. And the hub obviously is, was within the arm and the ski, right? Sure. So the, the right one would shear and then like another hundred miles or whatever, the left one, you know, it just, they alternated shearing right, left, right. Are they and just getting uh, pounded by this blue ice? These ripples? I think it had, 
yeah, I think a lot of it was just the the vibration and the intensity of that from the blue eyes. Were you feeling it in the car when you were driving? Did it feel as brutal as it was? Oh yeah, you're just the whole time you're, you're shaking. Everything is just shaking, and it's very very loud inside. The car is already loud because you strip all the insulation out of it to make it light, uh, and so there's really no noise. Um, anything to attenuate the noise anyway. Right. And it just became super loud inside. I'm realizing, I don't know, do you do you have side windows in the doors as well? Or did you remove those? I know we did have side windows. Yeah. Okay. We used to have, you know, windows that we operate with a leather strap and pulled it up and down. Yep. And, and, and when we went to Africa, we changed that uh, because of the mud and everything and, and the water. And we did these little sliding, like little sliding parts of the window. Sure. The whole window didn't remove, but there was little sliding openings. So we've talked about the car as the machine a little bit. Tell me about uh, Renee as the machine. How are you dealing with the jarring and the cold and the, obviously we, now we know that you, you love being awake 24 hours a day with, with crazy sun. <laughs> but <laughs> tell us about how you're dealing with being in the car. Well, it was a, 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 an amazing experience. You know, the car obviously drove very differently. Uh, you're taking everything more slowly, more thoughtfully. You're not doing anything in a jerky, quick fashion. Much bigger radius turns uh, to not put too much stress on those skis. Since, of course, you know, that bolt broke. So I was very cautious of that. You know, you have a goal you have to achieve. It's a culmination of nearly 20,000 miles on all these continents. And there's a, there's a lot of pressure to get the job done and to finish it. And not just for your team, but for all the people that have been following along and waiting and anticipating with you to get, you know, get this accomplished. And um, so there's a lot of inward, a lot of inward stress with all that, but it was so amazingly beautiful, stunningly beautiful and, and just indescribable. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to forget what this looks like. The beauty of this is so remarkable. I don't want to, I don't want to forget it. And how do you sear those images in your mind, you know? And, um, and then my navigator, Jason, he was fantastic. You know, he's the, he's the polar expert that we went down with. He's the man that has the world record uh, to, twice, actually. He has broken the record twice and he, uh, to drive me to the South Pole, fastest land speed record. And um, he was great. He knows the ice. He's cross-country skied it. He was super good because you're going through crevasses. So the other thing is not only do you have this massive concern constantly is if the car's going to break and you're not going to achieve your goal. You've gone all the way down there all this time, all this everything, right? And, uh, you know, we happened to bring two extra bolts. Who knows why? <laughs> um, I don't know if they were just in the kit, but then we had two extra hubs. And so we were having to take those bolts out of those hubs. So we knew we were down to one. And um, there's a lot of crevasses and you're going through crevasse fields. There's areas where they'll tell you you can't stop and get out of the car. So you know you can't break down in those areas. There's no way you can um, manipulate or navigate around the vehicle if you needed to. And uh, sometimes you're in whiteouts. And you can't see. It's a sheet of white. You don't know what sky, what's land. You don't know if you've got this sastrugi that I was explaining in front of you. You don't know if it's going to be dipping and you're going to be dropping down into a, like a hill and a dale with snow. And you're going off of GPS waypoints. And, um, and you know, Jason is saying, go a little more left here. No, no more left or more, more right here. But you're going off a waypoint that's, you know, maybe 20 miles in front of you. And you know that you, there's caution areas. You know, sometimes it's, you can deviate nothing. 
sometimes 10 meters, sometimes 100 meter left or right. And you never know exactly what area that is. And they use this ice penetrating radar, but even that is not 100% guarantee because you can be on ice bridges that have been supportive, but then they give out. Jason's had this happen where his car was being towed when it broke down doing a, the polar attempt. Um, and it, it his car, which was behind the vehicle he was in, went through the crevasse. And they've been traversing that back and forth many times. So there's all these kinds of unexpected things that you're not sure of. And, and yet you're immensely enjoying it and you've got a smile on your face. And it's so amazing that where you are and what you're doing. So that's how a long you, answer how did to you your replace question. Your, no, that's great. How did you replace the fear and anxiety about that kind of stuff with the, with the happiness and appreciation of what you were doing? I think the, the beauty is so overwhelming. I mean, it's the beauty and the beast. And, but the beauty is so compelling. It's intoxicating and it's mesmerizing and it grabs your focus and your attention. And you have to keep, you have to make yourself think, wait a minute, this is beauty and the beast. You have to keep your focus and you have to think about danger and caution. Yeah. You've got to give it the respect it deserves. Absolutely. Major respect. So in the, in the last hours, did you think you were going to make it down to like one bolt? Was there any, you know, consternation that you'd be able to complete the, the run? Absolutely. Up until we finished that last mile, we never, ever had a sense. I never had a sense that we would get, we would get the job done, that we would get the mileage beneath us. Two nights when we pulled in around 9 30, 10 o'clock PM, um, our mechanic who was with us, Simon said, I'm, I don't want to say this, but I think the engine's terminal. And if that's the case, then it's two days to replace the engine. And we had a flight out and we were running out of time. And we, you know, we talked to the, some of the mechanics that work on the vehicles for the expeditions down there and the support for those expeditions. They said, it's the weirdest thing. It's like this ice, Antarctic ice gremlin that happens to a vehicle. And then when you put it in the little tent at night and you come to it in the morning, it's healed. Something's happened <laughs> and they don't know how to explain it. But that happened to our car both times. In the morning we got up, started and it started right up. So whatever, whatever happens, I don't know, but uh, the gremlin left and we were able to continue. Did your mechanic explain exactly what it was that was terminal on the engine? We're, we're big, you know, motor nerds over here. So I'm curious. Oh gosh. Well, the engine was just failing. And so, and we started leaking fluids and there was water in all the places you don't want oh. water in the engine. And then we started seeing oil being, you know, coming out and obviously where you don't want to be losing oil. And, um, as soon as we're losing oil, we're saying, okay, wait, you know, because we have to clean up and anything. We oh. were, we, it was only a tiny bit of oil, a very tiny bit. But you know, as soon as your oil, your en- engine is exuding oil, uh-oh, Matt, we have problems here, right? <laughs> Big time. Houston, we have a problem, right? So, and this, ha- and then so at one, one time when that happened, we had to be towed in. We immediately said, stop. And we um, put a rope on the front of the car, attached it to the crevasse bar. Because we'd taken off the tow hooks because they're heavy and we removed them from the front and back. So we used the crevasse bar and we were towed in to camp. And um, uh, yeah, but then, you know, in the morning, the car was fine. <laughs> I, weird. It is super weird. weird. It, is, it is super weird. I mean, a lot of weird things happen at the extreme fringes uh, of nature and the universe. Mm-hmm. A lot of extreme things will do odd stuff. Yeah. But, but, and the cold. You know, just the cold and then got it, got the car a little warm and whatever had to seal up, 
sealed or, or whatever. I don't know. There's no explanation. So what were the conditions uh, inside the car itself as you're driving? Is it, was it just as cold as outside? I mean, I saw I was looking at the press release and everything. You said it was snowing inside the car. Yeah, we had a couple of days when I'm looking ahead and and Jason said, uh, Renee, look. And he put his hand out, catching snowflakes. It's snowing. <laughs> so the environment inside the car was it was snowing. And uh, yeah, the cold on my feet and my hands was the hardest thing inside the car. You know, you can deal with the vibration and the noise. Okay, that's part of racing, right, typically, especially in my old car. And uh, But it was the cold. You can't, you're not generating body warmth to keep your extremities warm. And you know, I maybe brought one pair of pants and one pair of all these things because we had to travel light. And uh, but but when it came to shoes, because I was so concerned, how am I going to keep my feet warm and socks? I had so many pairs of socks and alternates for shoes because I had to have shoes small enough to work the pedals. That's what I was but just I had thinking. To have the hose. In, yeah. But yet I had to have insulation to keep them warm. And um, so it was like, which pair of shoes is going to work? Which pair of gloves is going to work? And um, that was that was uh, you know just a, a a daily thing of you know him and me asking me me asking him how are your hands how are your feet you know are they warm because frostbite happens quickly you guys know you're in a cold environment yeah. and you don't want to get it it doesn't take long at all so how long are you spending in the car each day yeah I I was curious kind of the route and what what that looks for as far as cadence mm-hmm. yeah so we would get up and. Uh, you know, have some coffee or tea, head out. And um, we slept in tents and the tents were covered with snow on the floor of your tent. And, and but they did have a, a warming tent where they could, they gave you a warm meal. We had wanted to go toward the South Pole but because of the pandemic. The logistics company was three weeks behind in setting up their camp. You can imagine you only have two and a half months for your season and you've just lost three weeks. And so they were scrambling still um, and setting up camp when we were there. So they weren't able to put out fuel drops. You have to calculate your fuel and what your fuel consumption is. That's something we never were able able to really uh, precisely determine, but we had a, a sense of that. And so we w- needed fuel drop for us to do the route we had originally planned, but, but they were unable to do that and uh, because of being behind schedule. So we would stay in base camp and sleep uh, in base camp, and we would go during the day as long as we could and just take off and head up into the ranges, up to the glaciers to gain elevation and to gain miles. And sometimes we would be gone three or four or five hours, depending upon you know what happened with the car, sometimes six hours, sometimes two hours, just depend on if what was breaking, what was failing, and how well the car was performing. We went through four, gla- four different glaciers, and again, through these mountains that were surrounding this um, base camp at Union Glacier. Wow. So I have to ask now that you've done this, what, what is next for you? You know, there's always more, right? There's always more. You're always going to try and struggle to do more. I feel like you're the type of person that needs a challenge, you know, needs something to, to conquer something to do in this vein. What do you want to do next? Oh gosh. You know, this is really something I'm really, I think about this almost every day and (laughs) I I was even I do. And I was thinking about it when I was even down there. And yet I'd say, Renee, focus on what you're accomplishing here, because what you're accomplishing and what the team is accomplishing, this car is incredible, right? 
but you're right. I have this fire that's in, that can't be quenched, and it is to have challenges and to achieve and, and to press through those things. And Polar Portia is its best version. I never thought I would feel this way, but seeing it, driving it, the way it is right now, is it's like its best version of itself. And I think there's some things that should be done with that car, some world first that can be done with that car in its current set up and so i'm exploring those ideas and then other things you know like for me like those what, challenges like what? what are some of these world first what are you what are you thinking just, <laughs> you've already just, been to the south just, pole tell me what's <laughs> oh, well you know there's the poles you know yeah. our car and the setup of our car is actually better than the kind of vehicles that they drive the modern vehicles that they're driving down there yeah so you know records that have been achieved in modern vehicles could be broken in that car and we always say weight is king. Seriously. Weight is king. What? I mean, the the lightness of that thing is an incredible right. asset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The lightness of it and the configuration of totally displacing the weight and not having the problem of, of the other vehicles that are sinking, you know, or um, overheating and all those things. So you're right. Well, I, I hope you continue on your journey to to satiate your your drive to explore and do things. I think I think that's what keeps us. Uh, alert and young and you know as long as we're out exploring and experiencing new things our brain will continue to stay young and I think that's amazing yeah. that you're doing it at the fringe and inspiring every, hopefully everybody's inspired to do to do something you know much smaller you know much smaller maybe go do some donuts on the lake or something like that <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just as long uh, as they're out exploring yeah when you know yeah I think what you're what you're saying is so spot on because you're, you develop as a person, right? And you find strengths you didn't know you have and weaknesses that you have to address, right? But then, then there's the whole thing of why we're doing it. And we, we've been able to raise six, $600,000 today. All that money that we've raised is because of what we're doing with this car. Yeah. To, you know, it, because it's outside of the box, people say, who are you and what are you doing? And we can tell them why we're doing it. And, and our racing is sponsored and funded, you know, externally. So all of our donation dollars that come in, go out, We've got these amazing um, projects we're working on in Kenya to help struggling NGOs that are working in, in, in hot spots in the world where people go to have sex with kids and these mm-hmm. they're rescuing these kids and they need real rehabilitation. So we're, be, we're with those dollars, we're able to fund these projects. And it's because of having this voice, having this presence, willing to go out and challenge ourselves and put ourselves on the edge. And then people saying, well, why are you doing that? So, um, that to me, you know, yes, do I like personal challenges, but if it's, if it's just that for me, it does, it's not enough. If I can't be helping other people in this process, I don't feel right in myself to just serve my own needs, but there are other needs, people's uh, people, needs of others. There has to be something in there for other people or it's, I can't, I yeah, just can't just, do It's that. empty. It's empty. Then. It is. It's empty. You're so right. It's empty. And we don't live our lives. We shouldn't live our lives for us, me, myself, and I. If it's not to see who we can impact and, and give to, you know, you give the most, you get the most. I really believe that. And it's been my experience. So yeah, they say you anyway. reap what you sow, right? Yeah, absolutely. So reap in abundance, you know, sow in abundance, reap in abundance. And Renee, it is such an amazing cause. I know we mentioned it uh, last time you were on the podcast, but where can people go to find out more and where they can give? Okay. So ValkyrieRacing.com. You can donate, but we actually are partnered with Omaze. So Omaze, we're just a little project for them, 
but we get a, a, a strong percentage of what the sales are for the sweepstakes. They they went out and got a tribute car that needed restoration, shipped it to the UK, had Tuthill impeccably restore it as an homage to our car. And wow. It's, and yeah, <laughs> and it, it is so amazing. So Tuthill's been doing our car all along, right? Yeah. And servicing and developing our car with us. And so they did this amazing tribute homage 356. And so if people go to, I uh, think it's Omaze, O-M-A-Z-E, win this Porsche, it goes to the 356. You know, it's usually people like Patrick Dempsey, Patrick Long that they support and do all these amazing cars with. But they love what we're doing and the vision of, of who we are. And so they're doing a tribute 356. And so people can actually get a chance to win a car and give money to Valkyrie Gifts to help kids that are um, most at risk. Skis or tires on that car? <laughs> tires. Okay. I was also <laughs> curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> tires. <laughs> well, we really yep. look forward to where your next adventure is, and we'll be following along. And I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thanks, you guys. I love talking to you, and <laughs> and uh, it's really it's just so fun, and I love being able to share with you. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that's uh, that's about as incredible as it gets. You know, I talk about doing trips to like, yeah, I'm going to drive up to the Arctic Circle on a on road. <laughs> on a road. And I was like, yeah, but the Dempster Highway's got a lot of rocks. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have these cup blue ice things that'll basically, if you yeah, had tires. The they'll sh- Those things will shred your tires. Yeah, they say it's like glass. Yeah, and it's just shards of glass. It's just apps. And I didn't even <laughs> think about all these crevasses. You know, I mean, you you see like, oh, yeah, there's a big, you know, cliff or huge gorge here, but you're driving over them and you don't even know. Yeah, the earth will just swallow you up. It's crazy. You'll just be gone. And I love how just like she's so nonchalant. Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask her like the fear and the danger has to be ever present but like you said it's just kind of you're in awe of the surroundings what what have you got for us yeah let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor oberk car care oberk is your source for professionally detailing compounds and supplies that's research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves these are the guys that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product they are great products they have their two-step cut and buff finish and also they have their tire shine that I haven't ever used because Chris is hoarding it. They also have their ceramic spray. You, you can't use tire shine right now anyway. No, you really can't. No. So it's it's great products, great setup. Uh, right now, they're actually offering a whopping 20% off your next order when you use the code OVERCREST. And that code is good not only on their website at oberkcarcare.com, but also on detailedimage.com and carsupplieswarehouse.com. Go check them out. So I don't think I could do this. I really don't. I don't think I could handle the isolation and the like. I could handle the. I could handle the cold. That's fine. Well, it's easy I could to handle say the, you could until you're in it. Well, I live here. It was okay. <laughs> it was true. negative seventeen when I woke up the other day. I can handle the cold. Once it gets past zero, it doesn't really matter. You just die faster. It's, you, know, it's, you know what I mean? It's just like it's, it, it all just yeah. feels cold. The level of uncomfortableness—that's the floor. What gets hard is physical exertion in the cold as you're breathing. The air yeah. really is difficult to breathe in at a rapid rate. True. So it, it's difficult to do that. But I could—I don't know—I couldn't handle the twenty-four hour daylight. I couldn't handle. I think I would have, I don't know, I just don't think I could do it. I don't think I have it in me. So I will do lesser exploration and, and probably and be just, maybe not just as happy, but I will think that I am. 
Well, no, there's definitely, that's admirable as well. Anything you're doing to get out there and explore and kind of broaden your horizons. You know, you think of Renee, she's done these rallies on every single yeah. continent and all over. Yep. So she, in order to broaden her horizon a little bit yeah. more, you know, it's all it's all relative. So yes, you and I or anyone listening, you can also do Experience, this and get out and explore. As we know, as, as has been well discovered, exploration is an addiction. Yeah, it is. You know, there's you climb a little mountain and then you go, well, that one over there is a little bit bigger. <laughs> and then you climb that mountain and you drive a little bit or you drive a little bit farther or you run a little bit farther or you do, you know, there's always, and that's great. Like that's, that's, I think it's human nature to push the envelope a little bit farther, even if you're on a small scale to just push and push and push. And I think that's, that's great to do and continue to do throughout your entire life. Yeah, it, it really is. That's what it's all about. All right, guys, what's going on next week? Do we know? We don't know. I have no idea. Well, we have an interview lined up potentially. Yeah, we do have an interview lined up. Um, we are going to be changing our schedule to Mondays. Right, uh, our release date. Our release date is going to be on Mondays because right now we record on Thursday and then we release the episode. Hurry up on, and release on Friday. release on Friday. We, we want a little bit more time. We want a little bit of cushions. So we can, that you know, and maybe you're back at work. I don't know if you're working from home or back in the office on Monday. It'll be a little pick-me-up yeah, for your you Mondays. Can, you can listen to Jake laugh and it'll get your adrenaline running. <laughs> <laughs> see you. <what? laughs> there was. All right, guys. We will see you next Monday. Take care.